Pastor Xavier Reese and the power of the Word. Jesus says, Surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot, not one tittle, will by any means pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Jesus, in declaring judgment over Jerusalem, looked way into the millennial kingdom and says, That's when you're going to acknowledge me, not before. If you believe Jesus is coming, then you're going to live these things. It's the bottom line. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Much of today's political struggle is rooted in the same thing as years ago, power. Who or whom is going to be in control? Well, in spite of all man's efforts, Pastor Xavier reveals what's most important during the last days. Let's join Pastor Xavier in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel for today's revealing Bible study. The message is entitled, Ezekiel's Millennial Temple Worship. What a day will be when Satan, the god of this world, is bound for a thousand years and Jesus reigns supremely upon the earth and everyone will celebrate the worship of Jesus Christ alone, no one else. Jesus will rule absolutely. The kingdom age is based on the covenant of Israel, as you know, and Jesus established the kingdom as he returns as Messiah. The kingdom is spiritual in character, but yet it has physical characteristics. Many of the fulfillments we'll see here, their functions, though they're spiritual and and physical, they go and they move into the eternal nature as they move into the eternal state too, because they will go from there to the eternal state. The kingdom of God is present now in the churches, as you know, but it's yet to come. So Jesus brought in the kingdom, but it's yet to come. We don't see it all here. We still see a fallen world. We see sin. We see failure. Uh, The church is not the kingdom, but part of the kingdom. The church will not bring in the kingdom, but the church will come back with Jesus to establish the kingdom. He's the one. Uh, The government of Jesus um, will be supreme. He will be the head of everyone upon the earth. And um, it's believed that perhaps David will be a delegate, co-region ruler with him. But for our study... As we look at this, what I want to do is look at, um, at this worship that exists in the Millennial Kingdom, uh, evident by three things. Uh, the Temple of the Millennial, we want to get a good overview of that. Then the Sacrifice of the Millennial. And then we'll look at the Covenant uh, of the Millennium. So those three things will be three hooks that we can hang our thoughts on. We begin with the Temple of the Millennium, uh, here from chapter 40, verse 1. It goes all the way to chapter, the end of 42 in the physical description, but I include chapter 43 to verse 12 because this, because there were described the Shekinah glory that comes into the temple. See, the temple without God's Shekinah glory is worthless. This building without the people of God filled with their spirit is worthless. What makes us the church of Jesus Christ is his spirit, and it's always the spirit of God that brings things alive. That's what gives it value. Very, very important. So I include that. You'll find different people divide this whole thing differently. I divide it that way. Now, as we begin here in chapter 40, verse 1 through 4, the introductory statement is given to the vision of the temple. Notice that these are apocalyptic visions of God, much like chapter 38 and 37. They are in in, uh, figurative language and symbolic language. It's uh, like the book of... uh, Revelation is the book of apocalyptics, the unveiling. It reveals to us what, what, what is hidden. Uh, and yet, in the language that it's given, it's, it's literal what's happening. Uh, but again, he's describing to us these things that we don't understand completely at times. Now, 
Notice that he has taken there in verse 2, the land of Israel. He sat on a very high mountain, uh, which to the south was something like the structure of a city. The prophet was taken there and brought to a man, verse 3 tells us, and whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze, having a, a line of flax as a measuring rod on his hand, and he uh, stood in the gateway. This is much like um, in, in the first vision in chapter 1, verse 7, he saw the cherubim uh, in, his, in his opening vision. Uh, cherubim are angelic hosts. Um, we see him on the Ark of the Covenant, on the mercy seat. The angel in verse 4 He's the one guiding Ezekiel here and declares, Son of man, look to with your eyes, hear with your ears, fix your mind on everything I show you, for you were brought here so that you might show them to you, declare to the house of Israel everything you see. So once again, Ezekiel is simply the watchman. Ezekiel is the mouthpiece of God. He has already given judgment. Now he's dealing with restoration. And now he's dealing with the fulfillment of that restoration ultimately in the kingdom age. Now, in verse 5, the temple is described as an enclosed area down to verse 27. There are three gates that you can see. They enter in. The east gate is going to be the most prominent one as we're going to see. Um, the Shekinah glory will enter in by the same east gate as it left in Ezekiel uh, chapter 8. It will enter in in chapter 43. Uh, very key. Uh, there is no gate on the west. And notice that the three gates, north, south, and east, they're lined up from the exterior, the outer court, and then the inner court also has three gates, and we'll mark that also. So it's pretty lined up symmetrically. When you get to chapter 40, verse 28 through 47, this is now the inner court where the priests minister at the altar. And there are three gates again, directly opposite to the gates of the outer wall and 100 cubits within the outer wall. Though through these, they have access to come in to the inner Court. So again, it's a progression as you come in closer and closer. The closest thing that we have to the fulfillment of the millennial temple is Solomon's temple because the Shekinah glory was there. The temple of Herod, which was really the beautification of Zerubbabel's temple, did not have the Shekinah glory. Uh, it wasn't present. So um, it would return and it would be in the millennial kingdom. It's a literal temple. It will be built. And um, I think it's a proper interpretation. The prominent characteristic of this thing is the Shekinah glory once again. That is the key. And uh, it cannot be mistaken with any temple that has been built, even the Antichrist temple. It's going to be nothing. Now, remember, there's only Solomon's temple, Zerubbabel's temple, and Herod's is Zerubbabel's. Don't make it a third. There's only two. Herod's was beautification of Zerubbabel's temple. The third one will be the Antichrist. The fourth one will be the millennial temple we're studying, okay? Only four. And look at verse 2 of chapter 46. Um, here's one of those things that I pointed out. Uh, the prince shall enter in by way of the vestibule, the gateway, from the outside, and stand by the um, gatepost. The priest shall prepare his burnt offering, and of his peace offering he shall worship at the threshold of the gate. Then he shall go out, but the gate shall not be shut until evening. Look at verse 2 carefully. This cannot be Jesus. He's offering sacrifices. It has to be David. No one else. Now, from verse 9 to 15 of 46, the direction of entry and exit of the inner gate and general regulations are given. So everything's decent in order. 
Uh, you enter one way, you come out the other. Uh, in 16 to 18 of 46, the regulations of, um, of the princes regarding property inheritance, because again, they're, they're occupying an earthly kingdom, right? That's what Israel's about. Ours is a heavenly kingdom. Um, 19 through 24, you have the kitchens to prepare the sacrifice for the priest, uh, the minister of the temple. And again, when you get to 47, 1 through 12, as we pointed out, you have the whole um, wholesome and, and healing power of God during the kingdom age. Uh, it's holy rule, uh, symbolic there of the uh, river flowing, which is a literal river that, thro- that flows from the throne of the temple. In verse 1, the angel there gives us a measurement and verse 2 to 5 on down uh, of, of measuring a thousand cubits three times. And then it shows that every time, first it came to his ankles, then to his knees, then to his waist. And then he couldn't swim across it. He couldn't get across. Verse 6, the angel guide brought the prophet to the bank of the river and asked him, have you seen this? And of course, it's the trees on the bank. Verse 7 and 12. Of every kind, every month for food and the leaves for medicine. There the waters will flow to the Dead Sea, verse 8 through 10 are very clear, filling it with abundance like the Mediterranean Sea. Zechariah 14 again confirms this. Everything is going to be changed. It's not going to be the same. This whole earth is going to be redone. Romans 8, Paul says that God has created the creation purposely with, with a vanity and emptiness. It cries out for its creator. Now, the sacrifice offers, I've already mentioned, they have an association to the Mosaic order. They're not exact, but they have a relationship. There's some similarities. Let me give you some similarities. There is the worship center, the altar. There is the blood that's sprinkled, uh, chapter 43, verse 13 through 18. There's burnt offerings, as we've seen in chapter 40, verse 39, we pointed out. Uh, the Levitical priesthood is limited to Zadok, the priest, chapter 43, 19, and 25 through 27. And there are meal offerings, um, uh, the cleansing of the altar, uh, the Levites and the sanctuary in chapter 40 there. Uh, they're part of it. Uh, there's new moons, uh, Sabbath days that are celebrated in 46.1. Uh, there's morning sacrifice that are given in 46.13. There will be a um, perpetual inheritance given in 46.18, Passover feasts will be observed in 45.21 through 25. Uh, the year of Jubilee will be observed 46.17 when everything goes back to the owner, remember, every 50 years. The manner of the priest life, the dress, the substance, the order is given to us in 44, 15 to 31. The temple where the ministry takes place is the location of God's glory, 43, 4 through 5. So there's some similarities that we can identify, both with the tabernacle as well as Solomon's temple. But there are some differences. Let me give you some of them. The dimensions of the temple cannot fit Solomon's temple, as we said, Zerubbabel's, Herod, which is an extension of Zerubbabel's beautified or anything else. The entire Levitical order is not mentioned. It's limited to the sons of Zadok. They're the ones. And this is because of the faithfulness that took place. They remained faithful to David during Absalom's rebellion, as you know. Uh, 1 Kings 1, 26, 32 through 45. Also, Adonijah tried to take over. And here he rewards them. 
as being the faithful ones. There is no Ark of the Covenant, uh, no pot of manna, no rod of Aaron, no mercy seat, no candelabra, no showbread, no veil. The holy holy is approachable, not unapproachable. So those are some of the differences. The measure of the altar is, is different. Um, the social, moral, the civil law given by Moses is completely absent. We don't have it. The Feast of Pentecost is not mentioned. Um, there are additions to the Levitical system, like the entrance of the glory, the temple to be there forever, the living water that flows out of it, um, the trees uh, for healing, the new land distribution, uh, all of that. The city is given a new name, Yahweh Shammah. The Lord is there in chapter 48, 35. And there is a personal ministry of the prince that is mentioned over and over and over again. We're going to see that it is the ministry to David, very possibly. Uh, and it's not an isolated thing. So the purpose of the sacrifice offered then can only be stated that it's in commemoration because of what Jesus did. He is the one. The atoning work of redemption was finished once and for all. Hebrews 7, 27 tells us that. He did not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice for his own sins and then for the people, for he did this once and for all as he offered himself. Jesus himself was very clear about that. None of the Old Testament sacrifices ever forgave sin. The word atonement in the Hebrew is kofar. It means cover. And so when a person offered, that blood covered their sin, didn't forgive it. It covered it till the true payment came, Jesus Christ. All things had to be cleansed with blood, but it didn't forgive them. Uh, the sacrifice of the millennial will be memorial in character then. The supper of the Lord, the last supper, uh, is a permanent memorial declaring his death and what he accomplished. We look back on the cross and we thank him for what he did because we cannot do it for ourselves. He has redeemed us through this blood by being the sins of the world. And we will commemorate this not only now, but even at that time during the millennial temple. Uh, they will do it. And even though we're glorified, that's what we base our relationship with God. In fact, listen to the words of Jesus as he spoke to his disciples in Luke 22, 15 through 16. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, listen to me, listen, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God, the millennial kingdom. You see, it's memorial, completely fulfilled. And so the difficulty comes when we mix the church who is glorified and reigning with Christ and the earthly kingdom of Israel and the subordination of the Gentile to the Jew during that time. We need to understand what the scriptures declare. The sacrifices of the millennial kingdom will be much like something that you paid completely, whether it be a car, a house. You will look at that deed and look back on its fulfillment. <laughs> it's mine. No one can take it from you because he has paid the price. And it's a reminder of what has been accomplished completely. John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world in John 1, 29. Every Jew understood exactly what he said. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes to the Father but by me in John 14, 6. Jesus on the cross in John 19, 30 says, It is finished. To Telestai, done. Nothing can be added. So the meaning of the sacrifice of the millennium are commemorative of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let me just close briefly with the covenant of the millennial then. The millennial age will result in all together different earth. This is nothing like what it's going to be. The Lord will change the topography of the land, as I've already mentioned in Zechariah 14.4. He will touch the Mount of Olives with his foot. It'll cleave in two, the east and the west. Big earthquake will hit. Water will come forth from, from uh, Jerusalem there to the Dead Sea and to the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, all will come to Jerusalem. Isaiah 2.2 tells us, Now it shall come to pass in the latter times that the mountains of the Lord house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. All nations, no exception. Isaiah 65.25 tells us the animal kingdom will revert back prior to the fall. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the dust shall be the serpent's food. And they shall not hurt nor destroy. And all my holy mountain, says the Lord. The Feast of Tabernacle will be key. Zechariah 14, 16 through 17 says, It shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations who comes against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts. Interesting title during those years. He's the captain of the armies of heaven. <laughs> And to keep the Feast of Tabernacle. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. So whoever doesn't come to Jerusalem for that feast gets no rain. How interesting. The millennial age will be the fulfillment then of the new covenant to Israel as prophesied. We've already gone through some of the stuff. I'm just going to give you the scriptures. Jeremiah 31, verse 31 through 34, which the book of Hebrews chapter 8 and 10 also speaks about the future when Israel will accept. And there he speaks about the new covenant, not like the old one. He will write those laws in their heart, give them a new spirit, and they will embrace him as Messiah. He would regenerate them. And again, that will happen from the middle of the tribulation to the end. And then, of course, once all of them enter the kingdom age, they will come to the full blessing of that. Joel is very clear about that, chapter 2, with uh, the um, pouring out of his spirit upon all flesh. As we know, chapter 2 of Joel, verse 28 through 29, that began Pentecost. It will continue through the tribulation, great tribulation. And then, of course, it will be an ultimate fulfillment during the millennial kingdom through the reign of Christ. And so the worship will be one of the person of Jesus Christ. No one else. Isaiah 66, 23 says, And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath day to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, saith the Lord. Unified worship of Jesus Christ. And Jeremiah 50, verse 5 says, They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces 
towards this saying, come and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that will not be forgotten. Ezekiel 20, verse 40 through 41 told us, for on my holy mountain, on my mountain heights of Israel, says the Lord God, there all the house of Israel, all of them in the land shall serve me. There I will accept them and there I will require your offerings and fur fruits of your sacrifice together with all your holy things. I will accept you as a sweet aroma when I bring you out from the people and gather you out of the countries where you have been scattered and I will be hollowed in you before the Gentiles. He's talking to Israel. The context is Israel. The Gentiles are subordinate to Israel during the millennial kingdom. Zechariah states, chapter 8, 20 through 22, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Peoples shall yet come, inhabit of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us continue to go and pray before the Lord, and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself will go also. Yes, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. It will be a world that God intended from the beginning with the exception that there will still be sin nature. Though Satan is bound, he's the one who leads the last rebellion as we've seen. And then from there, the millennial kingdom, we enter the eternal kingdom. Not much is said about that. That's Revelation 22, and we will be with the Lord forever and ever. The church will be reigning and ruling with Christ Jesus as his bride during that millennial kingdom. And they sang a song, a new song, You are worthy to take the scroll, to open the seals, for you were slain, and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of our tribe, tongue, people, nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. There's the promise, Revelation 5, 8 through 10. Israel shall be saved. The kingdom will be established. They will worship their Messiah. You shall not see me. Henceforth you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Matthew 23, 39. Jesus, in declaring judgment over Jerusalem, look way into the millennial kingdom and says, that's when you're going to acknowledge me, not before. The word of God will be fulfilled to the letter. Jesus says, surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot, not one tittle, will by any means pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Perfect, everything. The entire revelation is given to us to believe and to know that it will take place exactly as it is revealed. In fact, you know John the Beloved, in writing his revelation, he closes the revelation of God, declaring this. Revelation 22, 18 through 21. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in the book. And if anyone takes away from the word of the book of this prophecy, God will take away from him, the part of the book of life, and from the holy city, and from the things which are written in the book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and amen. Now, if you believe Jesus is coming, then you're going to live these things. If you don't believe he's coming, you will not live these things. It's the bottom line. When we believe something to be real, we act on it. That you get squared away with God. That you walk with him. And that's the bottom line. The covenant of the millennium is the fulfillment of God's promises to Israel. He is not through with her. And so, this is what the Bible teaches about the worship during the millennial kingdom. Evident by the temple of the millennial kingdom, that's a real and literal temple. 
the sacrifice of the millennial kingdom that are commemorative in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And the coming of the millennium is the fulfillment of God's promises to Israel. Much to say about the kingdom. Nobody ever talks about it. <laughs> There's so much material in it. We can't even exhaust it. So may God give us wisdom that we might be able to share with people what the Bible says, giving an answer to every man for the reason of the hope that lies in us with meekness and with fear. Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of being good students of the Word. Today's message, Ezekiel's Millennial Temple Worship, is available, as always, on CD for only $4. And this will also include what we heard the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is Ezekiel's Millennial Temple Worship, or simply mention today's date. Now please address your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This is helpful as we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. No matter what our elections bring us, there is a coming leader who will have no equal. And that's coming up next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 